Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today it is Coach Andrea and I for another Q&A. Andrea, fill us in. Anything new with you this week? You started dieting, right? Yes, I started dieting. Big announcement. <laughs> um, I have been in the health phase um, for almost 11 months now. Um, and not that I was wanting to like rush right into dieting whenever I first got started, but um, it's just something that was almost like, like a check mark, like a checkpoint where, um, we've got everything (laughs) looking good on labs and like, I feel good and everything. And so it's like, I finally get to move on to the next phase and start progressing my physique again, because it feels like I've just been on hold for the last year. Um, so that's exciting. Um, so far, so we only, uh, reduced my calories. I think it was around 350 calories, um, each day. And so like, I want to eat a little bit more, but I'm not like mm-hmm. starving or anything like that. Right. Um, and it, like, it's only been three days, so <laughs> there's not been a whole lot of change yet, but okay. it'll be exciting to see like what the changes are over the next couple months. So how low are your calories then? About like 1800? There's still another like, um, 1800 ish on off days and almost 2,100 on training days still. Oh, damn. Yeah. So that's really high. So it'll be interesting to see if anything moves (laughs) at this intake, because it's just still so high. Um, for me, I would have probably not even lost anything at 1800 on every day of the week before. So we'll see. Like that's like pretty close to where I was at the end of my last guy. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a, you're in a pretty good place there. So what is your like big picture next six to 12 months? Like, what do you see that looking like as far as like phases and what you're looking to accomplish? I would like to get, um, just to like a a much more comfortable lean. Like I want to be able to see my shoulders (laughs) without having just worked out like that kind of thing. Um, that's probably somewhere around 145. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I would just like to, I would like to build a little bit of muscle in just like specific areas. I don't think I need to go into, um, I don't think I want to go into a, like an aggressive build or anything mm-hmm. at this point. I just want to add a little bit on my hamstrings, um, my like mid back, but I also, I'm just going to ask for input from my coach on that too. Cause he coaches competitors. So then he's going to have a much better eye for that than I am. Yeah. Um, and just basically spend a good amount of time there adding some muscle and then maybe go into another cut before next summer to tighten up a bit. You think you're headed to stage? <laughs> no, okay. I honestly would like all aspects of it, except for like the actual show day, just, I'm not into like the heels and the suit and all of that stuff. Like learning posing sounds so tedious. (laughs) That sounds so annoying. You have to practice it so much. That to me, sounds like the worst part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the actual process would be, I mean, it's very, very similar, of course, like to, to the processes we've gone through, but like to a little bit more of an extreme still. Good. Well, that's super cool to hear again. Like it's been cool to keep up on your journey with this because I know it's been a long one. I'm really excited to see what you guys can get done in the fat loss phase though. Yeah, me too. Cool. Yeah. From my end, um, let's see. So where we're at currently, what I've been pushing my building phase, we're at about 16 weeks in now. So actually four months down already. 
Um, I'm feeling pretty good about how it's gone. I know Brandon and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast as well, where it is like, of course, still a big priority, but like our company right now is a bigger priority to me. So the chest bicep specialization has been like this. I'm still, of course, like training hard, but it's not nearly as taxing as if I was like doing like a lower body specialization phase, for example. Um, and food has been pretty high. My appetite has been very low. So like, as of now, our plan is to push what I just, I'm like, right around 199 to 200 on a pretty consistent basis. So we've come up about 20 pounds from the end of my photo shoot. Um, and our plan as of now is to push for about four more weeks. And then he wants to actually enter a mini cut quick to, really? yeah. And it's not because I like feel like I need to get leaner, but just to like resensitize my appetite as much as anything yeah. else. That's always, that's always what I've struggled with. Like, unless I'm just eating like terribly as terribly as far as food quality goes, my appetite is just always one of the biggest challenges. So again, and that's like, I'll, I'll use that from time to time as well, just to like bring. And I think that again, um, typically what I've seen is like women in building phases. I don't know if you've seen this as well, but women in building phases, typically like we don't have to push calories as high to the point where it's like, I can't eat the food nearly as often as like some men, like again, like my client Phil comes to mind where he's like uh, like 160 pounds and we have to push him well over 4,000 calories a day in order to get him to build to where like, that's a lot more frequent to where like, Hey, we don't need from a fat loss perspective to actually get leaner per se, but just to resensitize the appetite. And I also don't mind getting a little bit leaner because again, I already got fitted for my suit. Uh, March 4th, I got fitted for my suit actually for a bar wedding. And like I went and tried it on and already it's like, I just got in and it's like, he's like, dude, you got to stop. <laughs> you got to stop lifting. We're going to have to order an entirely new one. Um, so I have to also be right around like 195 for that the end of October. So um, again, I think our plan is to like, is to go through a mini cut, um, take on, I believe like another four months of building. So again, like another uh, like 16 week stretch. And then we'll probably do something like another mini cut leading into the wedding. And that's again, like, I would, we were talking about this as well. Like I would prefer to be just like, Hey, I can dedicate a good like year to this. And maybe we do like one mini cut, but at the same time, it's like, I only have one wedding. Hopefully I only have one wedding. So, um, (laughs) because of that, uh, it's like, okay to prioritize this a little bit more as well. So I've honestly been kind of torn on that, but I also just gain a lot of fat in my face and building phases. And I don't want that to be how I am for like the wedding pictures and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. And I'm just in my, again, I like follow a more progressive, like RAR scheme going from three RAR to zero across multiple weeks. So we just got a minute at zero RAR. And then this week we're actually adding in some length and partials to my training, which I'm excited to add in because it's not something I really experimented with much. So again, it's like right now I'm taking everything to failure. Um, but my more, my chest movements that are overloaded in a shortened position. So for me, it's a cable chest fly and a cable chest press, right? Those I'm going to fail in the short position first. So like when my arms are basically fully extended is when I'm going to fail. Um, so with that, really what we're doing there then is like, okay, so you fail in the short, but again, we can really still like get a lot of like half and quarter reps and basically I'm already failing, but then we're going to like just crank out those half and quarter reps till we go to the point where I basically can't do 
anything anymore. I <laughs> just, I can't move my arm. So I'm interested to see how that goes. That seems like that's going to be pretty brutal for like, I think I have four sets on both of those. So oh, I was um, going to ask, is that just the last set or is it every set? It's actually, it's every set as of now. So I'm like that cable chest press specifically, just like, it is so painful. I just get such good tension in my chest from that. So that'll, that'll be fun, but I'm excited to start playing with it. And the length and partials thing is cool to me. It's not something that I really played around with too much. Um, but it's another, it's also cool to just again, like experience things like this and like, see how you like it and like apply it to clients and things like that as well. So I'm excited to dig into that. Yeah, that'll be cool as an experiment. I have just kind of played around with those whenever I've been um, like working out with someone, like my excuse mm. to work a little harder, like when we yeah. went to Dallas or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I have programmed them a couple of times, but mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be cool to see your firsthand experience. I've used it a little bit with, again, Phil's come up a lot, but uh, I've used it for him when we were running the last specialization phase because so many of those movements are going to be like short and biased, right? Where you're going to fail in the short position of like a lat pull down so much sooner than you would in the lengthened. So really we've just like, we've trained a lot with like him in that regard as far as like, we're really going to like go past the point where we can't get the full range of motion again. Like failure for you is like when we can only do like a quarter to maybe a half rep. Um so I played around it a little, around with it a little bit with clients as well. But past that, um, anything to add there? You ready to get the questions? Ready. Cool. I will let you start actually because you have quite a few more questions than me. Yeah. First question is, what do you think about fake sugars? Is it better to just eat or drink the real thing in moderation? Um, I don't think either are bad. I think that like, I think the context there is super important. Like always, so when you go literally, unless I hold her paw, she's laying by my chair and unless I'm holding her paw, she's growling at me. Um, I don't think either are bad necessarily. I think that the context is super important. Um, so if we're talking about like soda versus diet soda, right? Like I think there, especially not to say like normal soda is bad if it, if we can like make it, we can still make it work. We're at like at a healthy body fat, we're at a healthy body weight. Um, and we can still make it work while still hitting our nutrient needs. I don't think that's a problem right now. I'll say on the flip side, I think like a lot of people who drink like normal soda, if this can have more sugar in it, let's say, um, they're probably not in that scenario. Right. So one of, if we're, when we're like talking about like a more obese population, um, so let's say your body fat is a level where we know it's going to be detrimental to your health in a situation like that. Um, one of the best things we can do to improve your overall health is actually going to be losing body fat, right? Which is going to largely is going to come from controlling calories. So within that, like swapping things like a soda for a diet soda, it, I think that's a great swap, right? And similarly, like there've been a lot of podcasts as of late where you and I, or Brandon and I have talked about artificial sweeteners. And really we don't have any evidence of those being detrimental. Um, so within that, from my perspective, again, if we're talking about like uh, artificial sweeteners versus like something with sugar added, I, I don't think that that's, I would typically say like probably lean towards the artificial sweetener option again not to say those sugar added options are necessarily bad if we can still hit our micronutrient needs and like make it and we're still at a healthy body fat and things of that nature um and then of course it's like is it a food that just naturally has sugar in it like fruit for example um which i don't know i guess what we'd be swapping for fruit that has artificial sweeteners in it so i think i already answered the question 
you have anything else that you wanted to add to that? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Go on to the next one if you'd like. All right. So how to best set yourself free from the restrictive diet mindset, restrictive slash diet mindset. I think that that is, um, all in how you look at it. This is something that we've talked about before in regards to like weighing your food, um, or like being in a deficit around your kids or things like that. Um, if you want to lose weight or get leaner, part of that is going to be being a fat loss diet. And that just like, you can't, the two have to go together. Um, and I don't think that that has to be a negative thing. Now, obviously there's a point where it crosses over into like disordered territory, but just being in a deficit and doing the necessary things in order to make that happen are not disordered on their own. And a lot of cases where someone is, um, presenting like negative side effects in their lab work, like higher cholesterol, higher, um, blood glucose and things like that that you're actually going to become healthier by being in that diet. So, um, if this is a situation where, uh, you're asking because you are like at your goal body weight and you don't really want to have to like be thinking about it anymore. And it just feels restrictive. Um, then I would just look at the method that you're using and maybe that's not serving you anymore. So for some people after the fat loss phase is over, um, they don't want to continue tracking. And that is a, that's totally fair. And, um, the, the thing with that is that our food environment is set up so that if you're not paying attention to anything and you have zero form of restriction, you're probably going to start gaining weight because there's so much processed food around. It's so highly palatable. It's so like relatively cheap, um, to just have like an abundance of calories that without some form of restriction, you'll probably end up in a place where you're a little less healthy and a little maybe overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that form of restriction for you is, uh, tracking and that works really well for you. And it's fairly low stress. And that is like the least disruptive to your lifestyle to just track your food. Uh, maybe the form of restriction for you is going to be having like a diet template that you follow where, um, each meal you're having mostly whole foods and it is like a palm size of protein some veggies and like whatever size of carbohydrate that works best for you at that time for your activity level. Um, maybe it is just like a repeating meal plan outside of maybe dinner with your family. You're just repeating the same things. Um, so I would find like what works the best for you out of those things and feels the most like mentally freeing and gives you, um, the kind of lifestyle that you want while still living in the body that's as healthy as you want to be and just follow that. And sometimes that can shift over time and that's completely fine too. For me, tracking is like no sweat at all. Like I just, it's not hard for me to plug things into the app and, to me, that's so much easier than any other form of restriction because like, okay, I'm mostly following my meal plan right now, but like for Easter, we had, actually we had grilled chicken and veggies. That's not a great, not a great example, example, but like, yeah. <laughs> like some other meal out, let's say I went to like a barbecue and we had like burgers and you know, whatever. Um, well in that case I can 
plug that in, work the rest of the day around it. And like, it's no big deal at all. But let's say I was like following a vegetarian or no carb lifestyle. Well, how am I going to make that barbecue fit in that, in that way? So for me, tracking is the easiest, least disruptive way, but for some people, they just don't like doing that. And so you just have to find what works for you. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle here when it comes to like how to get out of the dieting and restrictive mindset where I almost interpret this as someone who is like already a very lean person and is afraid to eat more oh, despite okay. knowing that like, Hey, this is what we need to do to better fuel your body. And I, I agree with like what you're saying there. I just, I think the context of course is very important. Like there is always an element. It's very similar to money. Like we're never going to be able to spend most of us aren't ever going to be able to spend as much as we would like to be spending. Um, even like when we're outside of a diet phase, right. Where there is an element of self-control that will always be in place given our food environment. Right. Like I know we've talked about this a lot, but like with alcohol or like really any tasty foods, most of us will even outside of the phase like that feel compelled to eat more than is like going to align with our goals. But on the same time, like it is super common for people to like be in this place where it's like, Hey, I'm always trying to diet. I'm always kind of in this dieting mindset. And it might be a situation where like I'm under eating four to five days a week and over eating two days a week. So I'm still not losing fat, but like this mindset that I have is actively kind of holding me back from changing my physique, building more muscle, better fueling myself. Right. And even if it is like leading to this overeating and undereating cycle. So within that, um, first I think it's looking at like, what do you want to accomplish, right? Is it, and typically in a situation like this, it is a combination of, I want to ultimately get a little bit leaner than I am right now. And again, it's oftentimes like, Hey, you've been trying to diet for so long. We have so much diet fatigue that again, we just have these cycles where people fall off the wagon entirely, or even like we'll often see because we'll often see like someone under eating so much throughout the week and again, like, it's like, I just feel so restricted by the end of the week that uh, I really struggle on the weekends to keep things in check. Right. So then often even a situation like that, we'll see like, Hey, if we just aim for a more reasonable target through the week, then over, like, it might feel like you're eating more, but we're able to keep like weekends, things like that more in check. And over the course of a few months, we can see like considerable fat loss now. So again, like from that perspective, that can be helpful, but also again, like bring it back to what do you want to accomplish? Like what changes do you want to see? And then, okay, so what progress like have we made with this mindset so far, right? Like it, specifically when it comes to like being afraid to eat more. And this is this is like a very nuanced thing that typically when someone starts coaching and they struggle with this mindset, it isn't just like, okay, here's the reframe and we're good now, right? It's very much like conversations every week for months and months and months as we gradually like change beliefs. And a lot of the times it is like just getting started and oftentimes it's working with a coach and just trusting and like being willing to like take that initial jump that can be scary. And then once we're in this place where like, Hey, maybe we are consistently eating a little bit more food. Maybe you're not going to your training sessions fasted anymore. And you're seeing like, Oh my gosh, my body feels so much better. Um, like a, my client Lexi comes to mind where, um, and one of the things we've been focusing on for her is, um, bringing her cycle back. Um, after her transition off of like hormonal growth control, but with her situation, um, it, she was like doing over 20,000 steps a day. Her calories were consistently very low. Um, and there were like periods where she'd have like occasional swings in the other direction, but like consistently she just wasn't eating very much. 
she was moving a ton, right? So one of our main focuses has been on, hey, we want to increase your energy availability, right? Like we want to get you eating more food and we want to actually bring your movement down. And for her initially, like she did push back against like, like she was training fasted and like we, I, I bias a ton of her carbs around her training session because I wanted her to do few, like one of our goals was to build muscle alongside like the health improvements eventually. And like, that's not our top priority now as we're still focusing on like the health side of things, but um, also building muscle. So like in her long-term is one of her goals. So like for her, we're biasing a ton of her carbs around her training, right? That'll also help mitigate some of the stress from training, which right now, like one of our goals is to keep stress on her body low. And initially, like she pushed back, she was like, well, I don't want to like spend on like, I don't want to like quote unquote spend all these carbs. I prefer to like save these for the end of the night so I can like work in like a more like fun, flexible diet and treat. Um, and then that, that in turn was like causing some issues with digestion. We'd like to bring it back to um, with that, like we work through like, okay, so change is going to require change, right? A different action is going to require or a different result is first going to require a different action. And now she's in the place where like, it's been crazy to see, like, even like our focus has been on health and I'm constantly like pulling her R back and her volume back a little bit more because she's very good at pushing herself to the extent where it's like, Hey, we need to rein this in a little bit more, not push quite so hard, but it's been super cool to see like our volume has been low. We've been hanging out right around two to three RIR. And for her, just energy has improved so much throughout the day. Um, her training performance is so much better. She's actually built more muscle. She still stayed very lean. But the thing is like, we have ramped her calorie intake up so much higher than it was when she initially started on average. And we've pulled her movement down from like over 20 K steps a day to she's consistently below 14 K steps per day. Right. And again, it's like, she still stayed very lean, but, and she just posted this on her story the other day. I think she shared it on mine as well. Like we've seen an impressive amount of growth in her glutes, her biofeedback is so much better. We've seen like things like improvement in sleep. Um, but very much it's been like from us actually like spending time consistently focusing on fueling her body. So for most people, it's just understanding like if your goal is to develop your physique further, it's just important to look at like how is what I'm doing currently working. And again, like it will be a scary first step for most people, it is, but we also have to focus on things outside of like, just how is the scale shifting, right? Like, how are you feeling in your training when you eat more food? Um, do you have like a consistent healthy menstrual cycle? How's your other biofeedback, like your sleep, um, your motivation, your energy levels throughout the day? Have you been able to actually progress in your training? And then again, like once we start to see those changes, then typically what I see is it's not, we don't really have to like continue to convince people as much anymore because it's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that I could have felt this good. And I was like worried I was just going to gain fat like crazy. But really what we're seeing is like, you're still staying very lean, but we're just seeing all these improvements in body composition and quality of life and things of that nature. I know I talked about my client tasks a lot as well, but like very similarly with her where we saw like so many improvements in her health phase um, that was largely derived from her eating more. And there were a lot of other factors there as well, actually, but that driving food up was one of the biggest factors where initially there was like a lot more fear around like gaining body fat, things of that nature. But I think again, for most people, like once you start to see that result, it's kind of just being willing to put your trust in someone and taking that initial leap. And then once you start to see the result and like how much better you can feel the progress you're actually capable of, and then it's not easy to follow through with anything to add there. Yeah. I've seen that same thing throughout this health phase that I've done. Like I was gaining That's weight. That's a great anytime. example. Yeah. yeah. Anytime I went above like 18 ish hundred calories and, um, like eating like higher, like a lot of fruits and veggies, which 
honestly is just like kind of the way I like to eat. It's not, it wasn't just so that I could have all the high volume stuff, but that was part of it. Cause like, if you're having to maintain on that amount of calories, then there is still some hunger, um, associated. And so like, I felt like I needed to keep all those kind of things in to stay full. And then slowly I've just shifted things over more towards like, low fiber, low volume, like easy to digest, like yeah. follow this meal plan, which isn't something I've never done before and bring calories up to a level that I've never eaten before. And like, all it did was improve my health markers. And like, I feel really good in training. Um, and, and it just takes like taking that leap and doing it so that you can prove to yourself, like how much better that feels. Oh, absolutely. That's another, just like an interesting thing that I see with a lot of people coming from this background where they kind of like, there's kind of this mindset of scarcity around food. I see this frequently with clients where they're prioritizing volume eating so much to the point where it's actually detrimental. Like there's, I can think of like three or four clients right now where like we've worked through in the last couple of weeks, like, Hey, your fiber intake is so high. And even like working in a ton of things like cauliflower rice and a lot of like different, like a huge amounts of cruciferous vegetables, where it's like, your digestion is actually in a terrible place and everything is basically just running right through you where we could feel so much better if we actually like, and again, it's kind of like, it takes some time to shift from like the scarcity mindset to like, Hey, I know this is a scary step because again, it'll often be pushed back. Well, like what if I'm hungry, right? Like what if those foods don't make me feel as full? But oftentimes again, like what we'll see is like when we pull that back, like utilizing food volume in a diet phase can be helpful but again, on the same token, especially like when we're bringing calories up, oftentimes it's like, this is actually just destroying your digestion. You'll feel so much better if we actually can digest and assimilate and absorb all these nutrients that you're taking in rather than just passing right through you. So that's an interesting thing as well, where like, again, oftentimes we have to also shift people away quite a bit from like the volume eating, yeah. which it's, it's a, like you'd another like be bloated all day and eat a fiber tortilla versus have 50 more calories in a regular tortilla and might be hungry. <laughs> like that's that's kind of like how I felt too like no I have to have like the cauliflower in my oats and like uh, you know like all this stuff thrown in my smoothie just because I need to stay full rather than just like accepting that I might be hungry (laughs) every once in a while throughout the day but my digestion can improve so much and everything else associated with that I don't and I don't actually see in again the context of like a maintenance phase like we're talking about here i don't actually ever see anyone like oh my gosh i'm so much hungrier i often see like people as actually like i feel better i feel more satiated it's an interesting thing and again i mean that that could change in the future but as of now uh i think the other side is also like making sure that person is indeed still like hitting all their micros but anyways that's a different conversation anything else to add here we've talked about this for a long time (laughs) no okay cool what do you have next? Next question. Is your goal? Oh, if your goal is increased cardio strength slash stamina, what is the best approach to hit that goal? Um, yeah, do some cardio work and some strength work for sure. Um, so it's yeah, like cardio, she cardio strength. So I, I think she just means like better lung capacity, better VO2 max, better stamina within cardio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so basically I would probably look at, so this isn't specific to like cardio within your strength training or is it, do you think? I don't think so. Okay. So cardio as a whole should have clarified. Um, I'm going to kick that over to you. I don't have a very good answer for that question. Cardio is so specific 
Um, you just have to do what you want to be better at. So like, if you want to be better at hiking, go hiking, (laughs) do the stair mill, like those kind of things. If you want to be better at running, you're going to have to run. Like whenever I used to, um, whenever I used to run, like, of course that had a little bit of carryover whenever I'd get on my bike, but not as much as you would hope it did. Mm -hmm. Um, and same thing for any, like any other cardio modality. So it's just very specific. And, um, it's also going to be pretty specific to, um, the, like the distance and pace that you're looking to improve. So like, if you're wanting to run a marathon doing sprints, isn't going to have all that much carryover, like it's going to have a little bit, but, um, not as much as you might hope. So, um, I would just really heavily rely on specificity, um, outside of that, like if you're just, if you're just looking to do some cardio to improve your health and improve your, um, training, then like your recovery between sets within training, then I would, um, include, I would refer to the podcast that I did with, uh, Brian Borstein a couple of weeks ago on, on cardio. And that's going to be mostly including zone two work where you're somewhere around 170 minus your age beats per minute and holding that for an extended period of time. Um, and cause that's going to have the most carryover to health because it improves like your mitochondrial health and, um, BO2. And then every once in a while throwing in some zone five, like higher intensity sets, just like very short things, like 10 second bursts for five total minutes. Um, that, that is going to have some improvements on your BO2 as well. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's very well answered. I haven't dug too deep into the whole, like, I've seen Brian talking about like the zone two. And I, of course, listened to YouTube's podcast together. I haven't dug too deep into it past that yet. Um, generally what I'll say with like who we work with cardio outside of like aerobics, uh, specifically like aerobic work, right. For some people that might be like, Hey, we're going to, um, do like a bit more incline walking and try to keep your heart rate between like 120, 140 beats per minute. Or occasionally like, hey, we might be doing like intervals on the rower or on the assault bike. But again, we're still like keeping your heart rate very reasonable. Um, Really like past like, hey, we want a fat loss outcome from this or conditioning is, and this is all, even this is a lot less frequent because I often think still like if you're like within your resistance training, your like cardiovascular capacity is the best. Like if you're dying when you're doing split squats, if you're dying when you're doing a set of eight to 12 split squats the best way for you to be able to better do that in the future is to keep doing sets of eight to 12 split squats, split squats and keep pushing through that. Um, but on the same token, then when we're looking at like your recovery between those sets, um, the aerobic system drives recovery from anaerobic bouts, right? So like you're using your anaerobic system, which is going to be fueled by, um, creatine and eventually carbs after the first like 10 to 15 seconds, primarily, we're still going to be using your aerobic system as well, but primarily the anaerobic system um, when we're like within that first like 40 to maybe about up to about 60 seconds of work, like in a hypertrophy focus set, right? So then from there, if it is like, man, I'm really struggling to recover, then we could add in like some more aerobic work. So like you said, again, like that zone two cardio and further like developing your aerobic capacity, which that, that wouldn't, that's the thing where like, if we're just like going for a walk, that's effective for fat loss. But again, we're going to have to push our heart rate a little bit higher and push ourselves a little bit further to actually improve our aerobic capacity, which in turn, like 
so like the zone two work you referenced would then in turn carry over to we could recover quicker between sets as well um if it was more so like i'm not like with the strength endurance if that's more like the direction she was trying to go um but i will say like anyone with an like i have endurance training goals i refer to <laughs> you or natalie because i that is definitely not my wheelhouse so i think you answered that very well anything else to add there <laughs> no okay cool uh what do you have next Next is how frequently do you increase calories in a reverse? Yeah. So this is going to, there's no, there's no site rule, right? We're going to base it on your biofeedback, where your body weight is at, um, and how measurements are shifting, right? So there's, there's a lot within that, but really within a reverse diet, typically what we're looking at is the first week, probably going to gain somewhere between one and four pounds, depending on how large you are. Really the first one to two weeks um, as muscle glycogen refills and in turn we'll be holding a little bit more water. We'll have literally more food in our belly, so more gut content. Um, so we will see again that first one to two weeks, something like one to four pounds in body weight increase. We'll really see that measurement two inches below the navel, especially increase a little bit. That's the one that's going to be most reactive to gut content. And then after that point, depending on where the individual is at right so if this is someone who is like hey you got like photo shoot ready um and we're in a place where you're just too lean for this to be sustainable right which our biofeedback will largely tell us that we'll be able to look at things like um what's your libido like uh what are your hunger levels like how's your energy how's your recovery are we getting good pumps and training there's gonna be a lot of factors we're looking at there from a biofeedback perspective that tell us even if, if, if weight is increasing, um, a lot of these signals will still tell us like, Hey, we need to continue to drive calories up. Right. So for someone where it's like, we got you extremely lean biofeedback was really, really suffering towards the end of this cut. And I can like visually see that we are, uh, the visuals are, are as much as anything else like important. So like, even like we might have clients who will like lose 30 pounds, but it's like, we're just at a healthy body fat now no matter what, like your fat cells of strong can change considerably, we're going to be releasing less leptin. So ghrelin hunger will be higher for a while, but over like, there will still be like some hunger in that reverse diet phase, but like considering how lean that doesn't necessarily mean in that case, we would always want to like, just keep driving calories up and be okay with weight coming up. But for someone who is, who is like to the point where we're too lean to sustain, then it would much more be based on biofeedback. Right. And still I would make that initial jump to about 80 to 90% of what I estimate to be their maintenance. And then from there, um, typically it's going to be something like 50 to 150 calories. Again, depending on the size of the individual, every one to two weeks based on how their biofeedback is changing, how body weight is changing and things of that nature. Right. Where again, like this first, really for the first like one to two months for someone like, Anna, and I would consider that like more of a, first diet slash health phase in a phase like that we're going to be okay with body weight increasing a little bit more um and we're mostly again basing it off of that biofeedback looking at things like hey uh if you lost your menstrual cycle for example like is that coming back um i'm basing it more so off of those factors while someone who it is again like hey i just we're good to just maintain here then i'm gonna be looking at again like has body weight been staying stable first and foremost. And that's where I'll also typically be a little bit more conservative with calorie increases after that big initial jump. And then again, like if, if body weight is staying stable, what is biofeedback telling us, right? Is hunger still pretty high? Um, is training performance suffering a bit? Okay, cool. And that's where I'm like more likely to make a, an adjustment the next week. I think we can for sure handle more food. 
um, and probably be a little bit more aggressive there, like closer to 100 to 150 calories, maybe. Whereas someone who would, it's like, hey, things are staying stable, but hunger is pretty manageable. Training performance is pretty good. Then it'll be like, hey, we might be able to push your body a little bit harder. I'm going to be a little bit more conservative with the size of the increase in this case, but let's see how your body responds. And we can always pull back a bit, right? If we see like a larger change than we want. But then, I mean, on the flip side, the thing to understand is over time, even in a situation like that, just because more carbs, which we're typically going to be increasing, is going to equal more glycogen, which is also going to equal more water, we will see like weight training up a bit further still, but it just won't be in like pounds every week. Uh, what do you have to add to that? I don't really have a lot to add to that. I, you covered, you hit on everything that I was, that I was thinking of. So okay, okay. I think that was really good. Did you have any more? I had one more. Uh, what are your favorite macro friendly snacks to curb a sweet tooth? I'll let you take that one. <laughs> I don't know if either one of us are the great people to, to go through this. Um, I mean, half of my meals are like sweet. So that helps. I mean, I have a protein shake and it has like frozen bananas in it. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I the have the worst macro friendly snack ever. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, like I'm I, saying, I, I was just really joking need... as far as like, it's not like a, Oh, that's super fun. Andrea. Yeah. I don't, I don't really need a lot of macro friendly snacks because of that. And like I have cream of rice or oatmeal that has berries in it and peanut butter and that's sweet. So, um, I mean, I have in the past made like this protein mug cake thing. That's like cocoa powder and protein powder and egg whites. And that's pretty good. I mean, for dieting, it's, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> when you're in the phase where everything tastes good, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's too high fiber for me now. So I can't use it. Cocoa powder is like all fiber. So if anybody Crazy. is um, needing extra fiber in their diet, throw some of that into your protein shake or oatmeal. Um, so that, that I have used in the past. Also just a rice cake with some almond butter or peanut butter on it is pretty good. Like caramel rice cakes are really sweet. So that helps. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I want something sweet, like sometimes after a meal, it is like, I kind of, I think was conditioned in childhood to want something sweet after a meal. Okay. I'll have like, um, decaf iced coffee with cashew milk and stevia in it. Sounds pretty good. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, man, I, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, like the sweet things I'll have in my diet right now are, I eat a ton of uh, berry medleys. So raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, that's always delicious. Blueberries, like I've eaten blueberries every day for so long and I still just love yeah, me so too. much. Um, I mean, I have cream of rice, honey, blueberries mixed together. I don't know if that's necessarily macro friendly though. It's no. <laughs> for like, if you need a shit ton of carbs, it's a great combination. Um, I, I personally think again, like chocolate rice cakes, those are great. I'll, I'll throw that one out there. I also like a caramel rice cake with a chocolate rice cake, like in and of itself. Calories are pretty low. Um, again, not going to be the most filling option. So it depends on what phase of nutrition you're in. Honestly, though, like more and more, I encourage people to not. Hack, I encourage people to not hack their macros. Um, to like, I think the like, I think flexible dieting again, like the basic idea of like we have all these different foods, and like I think that I think that's great. But I would almost prefer like, hey, let's just occasionally like, depending on what phase we're in, like, let's just go up, like have a good meal, have like some food that you 
actually enjoy. And again, like maybe like in your, like <laughs> that actually like tastes good. And maybe it's not like the most macro friendly, but we can make this work within the context of like your maintenance phase or health phase or building phase. Whereas oftentimes what I see is like when individuals try to, it's very similar to the conversation we we're having earlier, where it's like when individuals try to like, Hey, every night I'm going to like have like this macro friendly food option. That's like, I have like the pea science protein powder and then i'm going to make it into like a protein muffin or whatever it may be where it's oftentimes like and that like kind of turns into routine again like oftentimes that just kind of like wreaks havoc on people's digestion it's still a lot more calories like the caloric load isn't actually that different and then if it's like just go get something that actually tastes better um but that in itself often turns into like and it's like this it's a very like complex recipe to make to where there's a lot more room for tracking error and things of that nature. Um, I really, again, like think that for most people, a better approach is to just like, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm taking the question way off. Um, but I think that again, like that can be for a lot of people actually like somewhat detrimental again, from like a digestion perspective, from a tracking accuracy perspective. And it just, Typically it starts to take over every meal too. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't actually taste that good. You actually don't enjoy it that much. And again, a lot of times from the actual caloric load, it's like, you could have just actually worked in something that tasted better. And like the rest of our meals focus on more nutrient dense foods and like been in a much better place all around. Um, so yeah, outside of that, I think chocolate rice cakes are great. These <laughs> <laughs> are great. I'm sorry. I don't have anything better to add than that. Did you have anything else to add to that or any other questions? No. Cool. All right. That is what we have for you all for this time. As always, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you guys soon.